Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water make me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. And Father, we ask that you give wisdom today and faith concerning the days to come and uh, the things that you're going to do for your people. Oh, we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Yeah, we're going to call this uh, Protection and Provision for the Man-Child and Bride. And uh, this first article we're going to start out with is uh, a word to the David Manchilds, Deborah Finsky, nine twenty one twenty three. My son, you have fought the good fight, you have run well, and you are about to win the race. Keep fighting, keep running, for you and for mine who have learned well and are running well. The prize is just ahead. It won't be long now for what you have been waiting for while exhorting and encouraging everyone in faith to believe and by faith to receive. It won't be long. Only take courage. You have fought well, learned well, lived well, and taught well. And the sum of my words, the truth. All that you have endured coming against you and against UBM and all lives I have touched through you have come against me. We have been in this together. I will not leave you or forsake you now. And what I, what I rise up and who I lift up, no one can take down. Stay strong. Remember well my faithfulness. Well, amen. Good word. Thank you, Jesus. And this one we called uh, Provision for the Man, Child, and Bride. Tiana Fire, 428-23. I dreamt we were driving around Australia, but instead of hot desert, it was like Canada with snow and very cold. Well, winter represents usually tribulation in which, of course, we're very close to now. At one point while traveling, Samuel and I were flying in mini plane about 40 or to 50 meters above the road. Um, and I think this means being moved and powered from heaven. Uh, we followed the road, and the plane was pulling our car. It started getting too windy, so we couldn't fly the plane anymore, so we landed the plane and we drove to the nearest town to stay the night. We had no accommodation booked and no money to pay for a motel. But I heard the Lord say to me to walk into this specific hotel lobby. This is when you need the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you because um, he can lead you in all provision, right? 
So we went into the lobby and noticed many people waiting. A man who worked there to uh, quicken things was reading out the names of people who had already prepaid in full for their accommodations. And when their name was called, they would go to him and get their room key uh, in an envelope. Samuel and I stood close to the man, and he read out a few names, and then he said the name Samuel Fire. And we were shocked, as we had never been here before, and we had not made a reservation or anything. We hadn't even planned to be here. Well, we know that the Lord has all of our days planned for us, If we will trust and follow Him, hear His voice and follow Him, Uh, Isaiah 65 and 24 says, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Samuel went up to the man, and he was handed an envelope with a room key. And we went to the elevator to go up to our fully paid hotel room. I opened the envelope, and there was also a receipt, and it said that there were three nights fully paid for. Well, the receipt is our redemption paid for by the blood of Christ, and uh, the three nights represent how long he was dead in the tomb before his resurrection, and uh, Romans three twenty four and 25 being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation uh, through faith in His blood. Amen. It's already paid for. It included all meals, and there were all these free vouchers and free tickets to see places around the town. Um... The blood of Jesus, as we know, has paid in full for every need that we may have. And our Father's grace and desire is to bless us in everything. In Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians 1 and 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So one of the free things included was doing a tour on a houseboat, and there was an abundance of free food and other items there. Samuel prayed for the meaning of this dream, and he heard, In the belly of the earth for three nights, and to be freed and paid for. Your journey will go beyond the earthly areas and reach past the spiritual. You will have complete access to me and the kingdom. There will be blessings, and your duty will have heavenly results for eternity. Amen. That's what you get for following the Lord. Amen. And we call this one, Bride Gets Rich Before the Storm. This was given to Eve Brast in 2018. 
I believe Eve is representing the bride in the dream below because Eve was the bride of the first Adam and the corporate bride represented by Eve will be the bride of the last Adam, Jesus. I dreamed that I was in a large covered ocean bay for cruise liners and uh, mega yachts. There was a special party room for the wealthy elites where the offices were located that managed the port docks in this bay enclosure. I walked inside the party room and there were many very wealthy people standing around and socializing. The men all wore tuxes and the women were dressed in evening gowns and formal wear. They were all decked out in very expensive fine jewelry. They all behaved towards me as if I were one of them, even though I wasn't dressed like them. Uh, at one point, an old woman with silver-gray hair came up to me. She reminded me of my great-grandmother, who had been a very wealthy woman in real life. She had a necklace of large pearls around her neck. She handed me a check for $8 billion. Well, eight is the number of Jesus and uh, new beginnings, and billion represents all your needs supplied, right? <laughs> In Psalm 45, 9 through 12, it says, King's daughters are among thy honorable women. Yes, at thy right hand doth stand the queen in gold of Ophir. There's the bride. Hearken, O daughter, and consider and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. Uh, so will the king desire thy beauty, for he is thy lord, and reverence thou him. And the daughter of Tyre shall be there with a gift, the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. There you go. There it is. Gifts and uh, entreating favor with um, riches. So people, I mean, we know that the deep state money is going to be used uh, to promote the building of the kingdom. And they are, of course, extremely rich. And uh, basically that's, is about to happen. After this, I went out of the party room and down to the docks where there was a large white boat like a yacht. I and several others went down into the belly of the boat where there were many rows of wooden benches with an aisle down the center like uh, an old uh, one-room church from the 1800s. So when you say it's a wilderness church in a boat, well, we've been known to be a boat in the land here. The Lord showed us that before we came here, and sure enough, there is. There was a row of circular window ports on each side of the boat, corresponding to each row of benches. Uh, obviously, they could see out. They had discernment, and they understood and after we were seated, the boat embarked on its journey. The waters were fairly calm at first, 
But then the storm came. And uh, the waves were tossing the boat around violently. There were times when I thought the boat would sink because the ocean waters were covering the port windows almost constantly. This is all I can remember. Well, the storm is almost here, and the bride shall endure in faith, and the boat will lift off, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, we call this one Obedience in Provision, Anonymous three thirty twenty three. I had a vision of an average man. He was suddenly blessed with a very large abundance of money and a driven calling from God. Well, there are many prophecies of the man-child uh, being abundantly blessed to build the kingdom of God. Amen. The man was then led to buy all these businesses and houses that were for sale, and he owned almost a whole city. Many people represented by the houses will be coming into the kingdom in spirit and truth. Um, in so doing, and led by God to change uh, a country and giving hope and faith by his example in servitude. Every one of the businesses and houses were for those in need. The housing, the poor, the faithful, in Christ, businesses were used for his glory according to the word and Christ and gave spiritual truth and provision for all their needs to be met. Amen. In other words, a, a whole new social get-together, right? And a new uh, economy. In return, all those he helped then participated with their gifting or their profession, and many helped in genuine love as one community for God. And it grew. The changes even convinced many non-believers not to change it back to what it had been, because obviously there was uh, success there, right? I felt this is our deepest desire to have his kingdom be established here and now and in the physical, not for our own selves, but to fulfill the needs of others. Very true. I think this is very prophetic. Okay, uh, this one was called The Bride's Supernatural Provision and Work. And this was given to Eve Brast, 9-13-2008. I had a dream. It was midnight, and my grandmother had died, and I had received a large inheritance from her estate. All of a sudden, a golden car appeared in front of me. I believe he, Eve here represents the bride, the true child of the ancient church, uh, who gave up a large and valuable inheritance, uh, which is the way of Christ. I had been walking along a city street heading north. Hurricane Ike was tearing up the south portion of Texas. Ike is short for Isaac. 
the promised man-child who will bring judgment on the world as Moses did and uh, the white horse rider will in hopes of repentance from the people of God. The man-child is also the head of the bride like Mordecai, meaning little boy or little man, um, brought Esther into the provision and protection of the king's house. It was starting to mist in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but I wasn't getting wet. Wet here would represent the curse of the water of the word, which, according to our inheritance, the bride is not under, uh, Galatians 3 and 13. So the car did not have legal tags on the license plate. It was brand new. I got into the golden car and started driving it. A small white sticker appeared in my hand, and I placed it on the rear license plate. Well, uh, God will make the bride legal in many supernatural ways so that they will not have to worry about any provision. Um, This is not the way of those under the natural laws of the world, but the way of the sons of God who will begin to walk in the Spirit. I felt a desperation and an urgency to go and check on all the brethren. I supernaturally drove all over South and East Texas checking on my brethren and ministering comfort to them. Again, this was during a storm, which uh, symbolizes, of course, the, the days that we're coming to. So as an Esther, the bride ministered uh, from the ability and safety of the king's house, and uh, she will care for the people of God who are in the world. The golden car never got wet, and neither did I. Well, as the water from the storm, Ike, destroyed many as the curse, but not any who have any uh, have appropriated the inheritance, right? We do that by the promises of God. As I drove around, I was being watched everywhere. I went, and there were very few people in stores or on the streets. It was very dark. Well, as the bride moves about freely, she will see no electricity and the stores empty and martial law, which are a sign of things to come. I had started in the south and headed north. Then, as I had finished ministering in uh, East Texas and was headed west to my new home that used to be my uh, grandmother's, um... Well, this, I believe, represents the house of holiness and power that the early church fathers had, the house of the king. So, uh, it used to be my grandmother's four men had spotted my illegally placed tags on the license plate and had altered uh, Michael Chertoff, excuse me, alerted Michael Chertoff, at that time Secretary of Homeland Security who then ordered a massive search for me. (laughs) Well, 
Michael means who is like God in Hebrew, and Chertov means of the devil in Russian. Homeland uh, reminds everyone of the Nazi era, because that's what they called it. And anyway, the beast in whom the devil lives will be looking for the bride, just as uh, Haman did in Esther. I passed a police officer with a radar gun standing outside his squad car. I drove past him unconcerned, and he acted like he didn't even notice me. And I believe the bride will travel in the spirit, breaking the laws of nature, even during martial law, and will escape detection when it serves God's purpose. I pulled into the driveway of my grandmother's home that she had left to me, and it was still raining outside, but I and the car were still dry. I felt like I was walking in another dimension. Well, of course, that's exactly true. In the spirit of the kingdom, there is no curse. Because I could feel great desperation and devastation all over Texas, but my world was calm and dry and peaceful. I saw darkness and misty rain and uh, law enforcement everywhere. But I knew that most others were experiencing heavy rains and winds and floods uh, and great loss. Well, the curse from Ike is a sign of things to come that will be even more terrible, but it will bring revival. I was not married in this, this dream, nor did I have any children at this point. Well, Eve is the bride-to-be of the last Adam, Jesus, right? I went inside the house, and it was elegantly furnished and immaculate. Well, the bride at the beginning of the seven-day marriage feast has all the benefits of a queen. That is official according to the uh, tradition. There was a double stainless steel refrigerator packed with food and full pantries stocked with all kinds of provisions. I had never owned any of these types or qualities or car or home or food before my whole life, nor had I ever experienced such peace and comfort. Well, there will be perfect peace and provision for God's bride. Um, I had lived hand-to-mouth on the edge of destitution up until this point in my dream, always just trusting God. I had owned nothing. Yep. Well, that, that symbolizes a great turn to grace that God is going to give to the bride who has been through much tribulation and trouble, right? The great trials of faith are coming to an end for the bride. Uh, God's provision in times of the curse is complete. And as we believe, we will come to pass. In Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
So the bride will distribute the benefits of the king's house to the queens, concubines, and virgins, as in Song of Solomon. I had pulled the tag sticker off the rear license plate and wadded it up and stuck it in my right front pocket when I had gotten out of the driveway. So she no more has to please the world. She is now fully walking in the Spirit. After I had checked out the kitchen, I went out into the garage. There was a large, full, moon-shaped grave dug on the right-hand side. I thought, that was a strange shape for a grave. Well, the full moon represents death to self since it is dead and only reflects the light of the sun. It doesn't even have its own light. It's dead. It represents death. Star glory represents having your own glory. Moon glory represents passing through death. And sun glory represents manifesting the sun's glory. Amen. So, in the grave was uh, a Texas State Highway 60 mile per hour speed limit sign in the grave, in the grave of death, right? The full moon-shaped grave with the 60 mile an hour sign means 60-fold moon glory that the bride begins the tribulation as. Okay, and of course, she is maturing just like the the bride uh, who followed Jesus from place to place. John the Baptist called them the bride. They were growing from their sixtyfold uh, to towards a hundredfold. Right. As I looked at it, I was a little sad, but uh, relieved at the same time, and at the same time disgusted. I reached into my pocket and threw the wadded tag sticker into the grave. That's a thing of the past now. All the legalism that you're under is a thing of the past at this point. Then the car license plates appeared in my hand and I threw them in the grave also. (laughs) Okay, so, so the law of the sticker plate and speed limit were on the old man who has now died. Right, because that's a death. It's a grave. She will be dead to the law of the harlot church, which the beast will persecute her for, as in Jesus' day. The heavenly spirit man who can move at the speed of thought is exempt. I I once was translated halfway around the world, breaking all the natural laws of man, and I broke every speed limit. Uh, didn't even buy a plane ticket and bypassed customs. <laughs> so, and I've prayed for gas and didn't have to pay for it. Uh, prayed for money and didn't have to borrow it. Uh, I was, according to the law, medically neglect because only God healed me. So she said, I walked back into the house and changed my clothes. That means putting on new works, right? Put on the new life and walk of Christ, Romans 13 and 14. 
Suddenly, my son Elijah appeared in front of me holding a bowl of ice cream, and he thanked me for it. I just looked at him and smiled. I didn't say anything to him because I knew I couldn't take any credit for the provision. Yet, she came from a very poor background. Her husband wasn't a very good provider. And so that was a situation they were in having to believe all the time. And Elijah was the spiritual man who was translated, remember? Breaking the speed limit and couldn't be killed or arrested by the 50 soldiers uh, who sought for him and his life. Second Kings 1, 8 through 10. He had every supply uh, by the ravens, brook, and the angels, and it was all grace from God. As Jesus raised up two corporate witnesses among the bride who followed him, so Moses and Elijah will be raised up with the bride's provision. Amen. I walked into the living room and I looked at the front page of the newspaper on the coffee table. There was a picture of the four men who witnessed me driving with illegal tags. Two of the men looked like Brad Pitt and the other two looked like John Travolta. The picture on the newspaper started moving and I could hear their false accusations of me to the reporter and to the FEMA people. Well, just as actors were found by the Pharisees to falsely accuse Jesus, so there are the factious who falsely accuse the bride and man-child today. Haman falsely accused uh, the body, uh, and the bride was one of them. But she escaped the beast and went to the king. Amen. At that point, my cell phone rang, and my friend Cindy said, Eve, do you realize that you are being sought by 70,000 people right now? I said, no, I had no idea. This didn't bother me. I was happy because I knew they would find me and learn what the truth was. (laughs) Yeah, that's truly resting by faith in the Lord, right? The bride's gift to be preserved and above the laws of nature will cause many to seek her out. In 2 Samuel 24 and 15, 70,000 Israelites died of the plague, but Jerusalem, the bride, was not affected. Isn't it neat how God does that? So after this, I looked out the front door, and there was a police truck parked on the street facing left in front of the house. It was dark inside the truck, and I couldn't see the officers, but I knew they were watching the house. But I also knew they were forbidden to harass me or arrest me, and then I woke up. Well, Jesus delivered us from the curse of the law, having already become our curse, Galatians 3 and 13. God is sovereign. And when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. 
He's in total control over your circumstances. And He can turn them from works to grace very quickly. Okay, we call this the light attracts. Anonymous 5, 14, 23. I dreamed that the UBM brethren and I lived in a community on a mountain, and it was surrounded by forests and could only be accessed by walking. Psalm 91 and 1 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This was only accessible by walking with the Lord. The mountain represents Mount Zion, who is the bride, where only those that partake of the unleavened bread of the Word dwell together in unity as a body. The promises of the Word can only be accessed by walking in His Word. James 1 and 22 says, But be ye doers of the Word, and not hearers only, those who are only hearers are soon gone. They're removed from our presence, for sure. A few of us had to travel to a faraway city. I forgot why, but we didn't have any money or any means to get to the city. We went on foot, and it would take too long to get there on foot alone. Luke 10 and 4 says, Carry no purse, no wallet, no shoes, and salute no one on the way, which certainly puts you in a position of weakness concerning your provision. But you see, his power is made perfect in weakness. The Lord told us to go check inside a Bible. Well, the Bible has the promise for all provision. Inside it had many $100 notes. And we knew that the Lord had put money there for us. We heard from God that it was to be used to travel to the city. And the Lord will provide the rest of the money we need along the way. Well, Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So our Father promises uh uh, his promises are in the world, and everything we need is provided for in Christ. So we ventured out on foot until we got down the mountain and out of the forest to a road where we caught a bus and then a train into the city. The city was next to the ocean, and it was gigantic. The city felt like it was a different world, and it was so unfamiliar to us. So we are not of this world, and it is foreign to us. John 17 and 16 says, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. We got off the train and were led to a specific motel where we stayed. It was a shared room with four beds, a kitchen, bathroom, and open-plan lounge room. It was bigger and better than we needed, and we paid for three nights to stay there. Well, our Lord Jesus stayed in a tomb 
that couldn't hold him for three nights, right? Our first night here, I had a dream that we walked past this specific building, and it had a red brick lodge uh, that was surrounded by a spiky black fence. And uh, next to it was a black shut-up building that was entirely black. And all the windows were blacked out, and it was very dark. Uh, you know, the Satanists are very secretive. You know, they like to make a sight and, um, you know, slander you, but you have to have a password to go in there and read the slander. They don't want anybody that can tell the truth to be able to read the slander, right? So they're very dark in the things that they do, although we're very open. Um, but there was a, a small light attached to the building that was on, and the light shined onto the street next to the building. And on the road was this giant white occultic symbol on the road. In Second Corinthians 11 and 14, we're told, And no marvel, for even Satan fashioneth himself into an angel of light. Yes, he is a deceiver. They want to act like they're Christians, but they're not. And as we have seen, Satanists seek to entrap God's people with their witchcraft and voodoo, but they can't keep the elect. I woke up and told the brethren about the dream I just had. Later that day, we walked throughout the city praying in tongues, and we went past areas that had buildings with occultic symbolism and dark strongholds, and we did spiritual warfare against it all. Well, Ephesians 6 and 12, if we don't do it, uh, nobody will, right? For our wrestling is not against blood and flesh, but against principalities and against the authorities and against the world rulers of this darkness and against the spirituals of the wickedness in heavenly places. And with all prayer and supplication, praying at all season in the Spirit and watching thereunto in all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Amen. Don't waste your time. You know, be diligent to be uh, praying for the people of God. We got to the other side of the city and went into a shop where we uh, bought the things that we needed to take back to the brethren. Everyone was watching us as if we clearly stood out and were from somewhere else. Well, we're peculiar people, aren't we? <laughs> we are the light and representation of Christ. Uh, Matthew five fourteen through 16 says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a lamp and put it under the bushel, but upon the lampstand, and it shineth unto all those in the house. Thus let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in the heavens. So together in unity we all decided on the things that we needed and the things that we didn't. There was no argument or disagreement, but complete unity, as if we were one mind. 
and everyone there witnessed it. So God is removing those who are disobedient to the word, which makes us one. Uh, there are thorns in the side. The true body is in one accord. Romans 15, 5 and 6. Now, the God of patience and of comfort grant you to be of the same mind one with another, according to Christ Jesus, that with one accord you may with, with one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Philippians 2 and 2 through 4. Make full my joy that you be of the same mind, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, doing nothing through faction or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, each counting the other better than himself. Not looking each of you to his own things, but each of you also to the things of others. Well, that makes for a lot of peace. There was a man in there that kept following us around the store. He stood watching us from afar, but always kept us in his sight. He seemed intrigued and curious about who we are and what we are doing. And when we got to the checkout, the cashier uh, totaled the cost to $300. And then a random man stepped up and said he would pay for it. And we praised God for his provision. We kept walking around uh, the city praying aloud in the Spirit, uh, breaking strongholds. The man from the shop kept following us all day. But from afar, it didn't bother us because we knew God was in control and we felt to only talk with him if he spoke to us first. At one point, I turned around and smiled at him and he was shocked because he was trying to appear as if he wasn't following us. Matthew 26 and 58 says, But Peter followed him afar off unto the court of of the high priest and entered in and sat with the officers to see the end. It was uh, nighttime now, so we started walking back to the motel, still praying. I looked to my left and saw the exact same building uh, from my dream. And I told the brethren that it was the building from the dream. All the details were the exact same. So we stopped and prayed specifically for this place for a while. And I felt there were a few people inside the building that were Satanists, and they could feel something changing in the spiritual well, dreams are often given as warnings and uh, prompt us to pray down enemies and, and fight in the Spirit. As we were heading back to the motel, it was made known to us that the man from the shop was still following us, and there were two other Satanists that were in that red brick building that were also following us. So we got back to the motel and stayed the night. 
The three men that followed us stayed outside of our room, watching and waiting for us. But we felt no fear, only peace and rest in God, knowing that He is in control and will not let us be harmed. Isaiah 26 and 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. The next day we felt God wanted us to go back home, so we called a taxi to come pick us up uh, to take us on to the bus station. The uh, taxi arrived, and we went out of the motel room straight into the taxi, which took us to the bus station. It was made known to us that the three men had arranged to follow us in a black car. They followed us the whole way in the taxi and on the bus until we got off of the bus at the edge of the forest. The Satanists loved to stalk us this way, looking for a any way that they can accuse us normally. Uh, they're stalking us. I've had them walk around the store behind me and hide between the shelves and stuff. Yep, infectious people. We walked through the forest back to the community where we lived. The exact same way we had left. It was a long time of walking. And the three Satanist men were still following us on foot from a distance. As we got closer and closer to the UBM brethren, the presence of the Lord drew, grew stronger and stronger and more intense. With an abundance of pure love, peace, joy beyond words. We arrived at the village and there was a giant playground with swings and climbing structures and slides where all the children were playing while several adults were there watching. Some were praying and others were reading. There were about 50 to 100 people in the community. The elders were in a separate area together in deep prayer seeking the Lord. Joe Britz, who was an elder in the dream, came out and said that he heard from God that the enemy keeps trying to distract us from seeking God, and we all need to spend more time alone in time in God's presence. Everyone there listened, and their spirits bore witness to this word from the Lord and in, corp- in complete agreement. As the three men got closer and closer to the village, it was as if evil and darkness was shedding off from them, and they were becoming cleaner and cleaner as they came to the village. And they all fell face down in complete fear and reverence to God as they could feel His presence, and they could see His love and Jesus in all of us. The elect among the Satanists will eventually be converted. We're near this point now. Philippians 2, 10 and 11 says, 
that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow and things in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father's glory. Amen. They could see there was no error in following Jesus' ways and that it was the truth and their eyes were opened. They were given a new heart so quickly that from just being in God's presence, which was manifesting through us, they had complete uh, repentance without even yet understanding the gospel. But it was because of Jesus' presence. So they quickly let go of everything evil and cried out to God in front of everyone. And they were changed and became completely new spiritually. And it felt as if they were babies that had just been born. Well, John 3, 5 through 8, Jesus answered, Amen, amen, I say unto thee, except one be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. What is born of flesh is flesh, and what is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I have said unto thee, you must be born from above. The spirit breatheth where he willeth, and thou hearest his voice, but knowest not whence he cometh and whither he goeth. So is everyone born of the Spirit. Everyone prayed for them and shared the gospel and truth of the word and had holy love and forgiveness towards them. They came into complete unity with us and the word, and they grew very quickly in Jesus and had much zeal and passion for the Lord. They eagerly wanted to go share Jesus with everyone back in the city, but were waiting for the right time to go back. It was as if when uh, in the city they could see Jesus and the light without knowing it was Jesus, and their conscience bore witness that Jesus' way is truth, and they wanted Jesus. That's why they followed us. So John fourteen six through 7 says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one cometh unto the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. Henceforth you know and have seen him. Okay, I want to share a teaching with you on... Um, the man-child and bride types in the Bible. We can learn a lot by looking at these. Uh, the first thing that we discover from the types of the man-child is that he has a history before being anointed. And many are claiming this office without any such history. For instance, Moses, Abraham, David, Joseph, etc., uh, faithfully kept the flocks that represent God's people before coming to a rule with the greater anointing of their first throne experience. And with this uh, knowledge of the following types of this experience, we will be in, in right perspective. Um, some people just think that God just drops it on them, you know, but no, they've had experience. 
Okay. Jesus was born of the woman Israel and was first to receive the former reign anointing of the Holy Spirit as his first throne experience. He was tried in his own wilderness experience for 40 days and anointed to lead Israel, uh, Luke 4 and 18. Kings uh, received this anointing in the Old Testament as a type for the man-child ministry. 1 Samuel 2 and 10, 10 and 1, 10 uh, and 16, 13. In 1 Samuel 16 and 13, David was anointed with the Holy Spirit to sit in the throne as king over Israel as a type for Jesus and the man-child. Luke 1 and 32 says, He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Jesus' work was to rule true Israel, bringing the disciples through the wilderness that he had been tried in. The word wilderness is translated desert in the Gospels in some places, and this is where Jesus taught, fed, and he delivered the people from the curse. In type, he was then crucified to self, glorified, and caught up to the second throne experience. He then returned to minister to the disciples for 40 days, representing the 40 years between his resurrection and when the harlot Israel was destroyed in 70 A.D. And at this time, the disciples who were alive and remained uh, fled to the mountains, representing the promised land or heaven. In type, this is when Jesus who promised to be with them to the end of the age, was caught up to the third throne experience, which we will explain more later. And uh, Joseph was uh, born of the woman, Israel, and was tried in his own wilderness experience. And as a type of the first fruits, he was favored more than all of his brethren by his father. Jacob, whose uh, regenerate name was Israel. Israel represented God to Joseph because, according to the Strong's Concordance, his name means he will rule as God. And he was also the father of all corporate Israel, just as Christ is the head of all corporate true Christianity. So at this time, Joseph received two revelations that that all of Israel bowed down to him as ruler in a type of the first throne experience. Genesis 37, 1 through 10. Joseph also brought the bad report to his brethren's evil doings before his father, like Elijah did at his throne experience on the mountain. Joseph was rejected by his own people uh, in Genesis 37, uh, 2 through 4, verse 11, verse 18, 23, and 28. And the Egyptians, like Jesus, uh, he was falsely accused by the harlot, Potiphar's wife, 
and cast into prison, where he preached unto the spirits in prison, 1 Peter 3 and 19, as a type of the dead. Uh, In type, by Joseph's word, the butler was resurrected and the baker condemned. And also, like Jesus, he was caught uh, up to the throne of Egypt. And as a type of the world in a second throne experience, Genesis 41, 40 through 44. So Joseph preserved the people of God through the seven years of famine, which was their own wilderness tribulation experience, and that was in verse 54 through 57. Well, in type, he then went to the promised land with Israel in totally dead-to-self state, for they carried his remains with them after 400 years of bondage as a type of the tribulation. That's Genesis 15 and 13, 50 and 24 through 25. Well, this was a type of going to the heavenly promised land in a third throne experience. Abraham was born from Babylon and and having left Lot in the sin cities of the plain, went through his wilderness to the heavenly promised land, which the Lord gave him as an inheritance and type of his first throne experience. Genesis 13, 11 through 15 says, He then returned from the promised land to deliver Lot, a citizen of Sodom, who had been taken captive by the kings, which is a type of the man-child delivering the saints in the world, who will have been taken captive by the ten-king beast of Revelation. Genesis 14. After delivering Lot, he went to the heavenly promised land and saw Melchizedek in the king's veil. That was Genesis fourteen seventeen through 18. Hebrews 7 and 1 says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of God Most High, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham divided a tenth part of all, being first by interpretation king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God." abideth a priest continually. So this clearly makes Melchizedek a type of Jesus, who after receiving his new body, is totally born from above and has no earthly genealogy. So in type, Abraham, as uh, the man-child, went to see the Lord in this third throne experience. Elijah went through the wilderness and was caught up to the Mount of God as his first throne experience, 1 Kings 19, 4, and 8. He then returned to the wilderness to teach Elisha, who represents the woman in Revelation 12, 6, 
uh, 16 through 17. And also in 2 Kings 2, 6 through 14, Elijah makes a special trip to the wilderness to pass on his mantle to Elisha. Then Elijah was caught up in a whirlwind uh, second throne experience. Elisha, as uh, the woman church, then faces 42 lads or youths from Bethel, meaning the house of God, who persecute him in verses 23 and 24. And this is a type of the persecution of the witnesses by immature apostates from the church in the last 42 months or three and a half years of the tribulation. So the 42 uh, equals out there. And Revelation 13, 5 through 7 is the story. These uh, 42 lads, representing the harlot, were torn by the bears or beast exactly as in Revelation 17, 16, and 17. So John on the Isle of Patmos was a type of the man-child. He told the church that he was a partaker with you in the tribulation, Revelation 1 and 9. And as we saw in the last chapter, he was caught up to the throne of God and given a revelation of the tribulation wilderness, chapter 4, 1 and 2. He was also given a revelation of the apostasy in the church and told to share his revelation with seven angels who were to give it to seven churches. Revelation 1, 11, 2, 1, and 8, 12, 18, and 3, 1, 7, and 14. Angel in these cases is the Greek word angelos, meaning messenger, and is also used of ministers in the New Testament. Luke 7 and 24, verse 27, uh, Luke 9 uh, and 52. The equivalent Hebrew word in the Old Testament is translated messenger when speaking of ministers. Malachi 2 and 7. John the Baptist and Jesus in 3 and 1. Since it doesn't make sense that John sent the revelation to the churches by angels, he must have sent it by seven minister messengers who in turn shared it with the seven churches. Revelation 1.11 This is exactly what Jesus the man-child did. And 1.11, of course, is uh, the number of the man-child the birth of the man-child ministry. He shared his revelation with minister messengers, Jesus did, who shared it with the seven churches in Acts and in the Word. So I believe that's the correct interpretation of that and translation of that. Ezekiel was consistently called Son of Man as a type of Jesus the man-child. 
He was also caught up to the throne, Ezekiel 1 and 26. And he was anointed with the Spirit of God for ministry, 2 and 2. And like John, the man-child in Revelation, Ezekiel was given a vision of the four living creatures, 1 and 10. And revelations of the seven-year tribulation and captivity, 3 and 15. And the image of the beast, the abomination of desolation, and the mark of God, 5 through 9. So the corporate false prophet in verse 13, the beast kingdom's attack on the people of God and their destruction, 38 through 39. And the wars between the nations, the restoration of God's people to the kingdom, uh, 36 through 37. The measurements of the restored spiritual temple of God, 40 through 43. The coming of the Lord as the prince and his inheritance given to the saints, 46, etc. So what are the chances of John and Ezekiel receiving the same revelation to bring to the church? Hmm. Again, minister messengers, right? Moses was born of the woman, Israel, and was tried in his own wilderness. And that experience was for 40 years, just as Jesus was for 40 days. Then he ascended the mountain of God where he was given authority and anointing to bring Israel through the wilderness to the same mountain. Again, like Jesus. This was a type of his first throne experience. Exodus 3, 2 through 5, and verse 12. Moses then brought Israel halfway through their wilderness by distance, which is a type of three and a half years of the tribulation, and again ascended the mountain in a second throne experience. Again like Jesus. Here he was glorified in soul because his face shone. Exodus 34, 29-35 So both Moses and Jesus were in this second throne experience for 40 days. The number of tribulation. Moses then continued to bring Israel through the wilderness for 40 years to the promised land, which as we have seen, Jesus also did in type. Here Moses ascended the mountain where spiritually his old man died as he was caught up to the heavenly promised land as Israel also entered the promised land. So Deuteronomy 34, 5 and 6, and Joshua 1 and 2 speak of this. This was a type of his third throne experience. As we've seen, even though there are different stages and levels of walking in the presence of God, all fully enter the kingdom in their new body at the same time. 1 Corinthians 15 and 51. 
We all shall not sleep, but we shall all be changed. And 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Moses and Aaron, uh, when seen together, are a clear type of the first and second man-child on opposite ends of the New Testament. As we have seen, Moses typified the first man-child, Jesus. Moses, like Jesus, on the cross, put to death the Egyptian, typifying the old man, and left Egypt as a type of the world. In order to marry a Gentile bride who was one of seven daughters, like the favored Philadelphia church, and this is in Exodus two, twelve and twenty one. So Jesus as the first New Testament man child will be met many years later in the kingdom by the second man child of the end time. In the same way Moses as the first man child was met many years later on the mountain of God by Aaron in Exodus 4 and 27, which represents the first throne experience of the second man-child in the end time. Clearly, Moses typified God who spoke through Adam, just as Jesus is God and will speak through the second end time man-child. Exodus 4 and 16 says, And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and it shall come to pass that he shall be to thee a mouth, and thou shalt be to him as God. And 7 and 1, And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. So Aaron, as the second man-child, received this authority and instructions from Moses on that mountain and returned to save the woman in Egypt. That's Exodus 4 and 28. So in the same way, the second end-time man-child will receive his authority and instructions from Jesus and return to save the woman in the world. Revelation 14 and 1 says, And I saw, and behold, the Lamb standing on the Mount Zion, and with him a hundred and forty and four thousand, having his name and the name of his Father written on their foreheads. So, notice that Aaron, uh, as the second man-child, actually does the speaking and the signs in Egypt, but behind him is Moses, as Jesus, giving authority. Exodus 4 and 30 says, And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses, and did the signs in the sight of the people. 
So the chain of authority to bring the woman out of the world and through the wilderness is from the Father to Jesus to the end-time man-child of Revelation 12. We need to lay a little foundation before sharing the types of the bride being caught up to the throne. The bride, although a different parable than the man-child, includes the man-child. David represented the uh, man-child as he sat on the throne. And David's throne was called the throne of the kingdom. 1 Kings 1, 46-47 The son of David was told that his throne was God's throne on earth. So, you see, caught up to the throne can have another meaning here. It's the leadership and authority uh, over God's people. Uh, in Second Chronicles 9 and 8, it says, Blessed be the Lord thy God, who delighteth in thee to set thee on his throne, and to be king for the Lord thy God. Since the man-child is the first fruits of Christ in you, the hope of glory, then the bridegroom lives in the man-child. And this is, of course, the spiritual throne to which the man-child is caught up. This makes him the earthly head of the body of the bride because he will uh, return to the capital city of spiritual Jerusalem, which represents the bride. In Revelation 21 and 9, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem. Well, I'll point out a little later uh, how this whole spiritual kingdom is growing in the earth at this time. You, you'll notice that uh, the man-child as head is always typed as a man in the Scriptures. And the Commands of the New Testament agree, 1 Corinthians 11 and 13. But I would have you uh, know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man. And in 1 Timothy 2 and 12. But I permit not the woman to teach, nor to have authority or dominion over a man, but to be in quietness. This was obeyed in that uh, neither Jesus nor his disciples ordained women as elders. The Greek in a son, a man-child, in Revelation 12 and 5, is literally a son, a male. The word man rarely comes from the actual word for male in Scripture. But here it does. And it's true that there is only one body, Galatians 3 and 28 says, there can be no male and female, for you are all one 
in Christ Jesus. This is also true that different members of that body, that one body, whether men, women, servants, children, etc., have distinct rules in the New Testament which must be obeyed to be in the bride or the man-child. And anyone who would like to look further into this can read extensive biblical proof in our article called The Word, Women, and Authority on our site. And um, Jezebel spirits generally hate us for holding to this truth. And sometimes they don't even know why. But on the other hand, Jerusalem, which we see is the bride, was made up of both men and women. David, who ruled in Jerusalem, was also a member of the larger bride body. This uh, capital city and its people, which represented the greater bridal throne, will enter into the nature, character, and authority of Jesus to a greater degree than the rest of the church, represented by the twelve tribes outside of Jerusalem. Jeremiah 3 and 17 says, At that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord. And all the nations, Hebrew word here is Gentiles, shall be gathered unto it to the name of, meaning the nature, character, and authority of the Lord, to Jerusalem. So this is who dwells in Jerusalem, the name, the nature, character, and authority of the Lord. It's the people who dwell there. That is the bride. Neither shall they walk any more after the stubbornness of their evil heart, like most of the church does. So notice that this end-time throne is for the bride, who is being gathered out of all nations through her submission to the throne of David. This gives greater meaning to the statement of Jesus, He that overcometh, I will give to him to sit down with me in my throne. Uh, That's Revelation 3 and 21. So Jesus, as the bridegroom, came in a body of the son of David, according to Romans 1 and 3, and was anointed to rule on the spiritual throne of David. And those separating from the apostate people of God and learning to submit to his leadership were typed as the bride by John, John 3 and 29. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. The man-child Jesus quickly taught the bride to come into her kingdom authority under him. The end-time man-child is also a spiritual body of the son of David, in whom Jesus, the bridegroom, lives, and will raise up the bride into the kingdom authority of her throne. This also shows us how that the groom will celebrate the marriage feast of seven days with the bride on earth for the last seven years. So each day is a year. So what is considered by many a strange verse points this out. Speaking of Jerusalem, the bride, 
the Lord said, For us as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. That's Isaiah 62 and 5. Notice that the sons of God are not only born of the church, but of the more faithful bride body within her. And they, as the earthly body of the bridegroom from heaven, uh, are used by the Lord to fellowship with his bride during the marriage feast on earth. The man-child is comprised of the firstborn sons of God in whom Jesus lives, who are the head of the bride's body. Just as Jesus is the spiritual head of the bride, so the man-child in his earthly body uh, head in whom he dwells. The Hebrew custom of the marriage feast is a spiritual picture that shows the bride in royal apparel sitting on her throne for seven days-slash-years uh, next to the king on his throne before going to the king's house in heaven. Once again, I'm going to reference uh, the Zondervan Pictorial Encyclopedia of the Bible, page 97, under marriage. Um the bridegroom was the king for a week. That's a seven-year wedding feast, okay? During the whole week, their majesties wore their festal clothes as they sat on their thrones, right? Did not work and merely looked on at the games, except that now and then the queen joined in a dance, Accompanied by his friends, John the Baptist was a friend of the bridegroom, we know, John 3 and 29. Uh, accompanied by his friends with tambourines and a band, they went to the bride's house, which is obviously on earth, where the wedding ceremonies were to start. The bride, richly dressed, adorned with jewels, and usually wore a veil uh, symbolizing submission, First uh, Corinthians eleven five through thirteen, which she took off only in the bridal chamber. Escorted by her companions, the virgins, the bride was led to the home of the bridegroom, and that's in heaven. So this shows that the bride is already chosen before she sits on the throne at the beginning of the seven-day tribulation uh, or marriage feast, and through which time she is being perfected. You'll notice that after sitting on the throne with her Lord for seven days slash years of the feast, representing the tribulation, on the eighth day, the day of circumcision, when the flesh is cut off. They all go to the bridegroom's home in heaven. So you can see that they're actually, all the parables of Jesus are pointing to their tradition. 
And also notice that neither the virgins nor the friends of the bridegroom are on the throne during these last seven days slash years, only the bride. Even though we all have been given that position through promises of God, that, that position of authority, not all will walk by faith and obedience to manifest it. The bride manifests it. The whole church is fond of calling itself the bride, but far fewer will overcome to sit on the throne. And as we have already seen, the one who sits on the throne is betrothed to the king and has all the rights and inheritance as though she were married. So let's look again at the relationship of the man-child head and the body of the bride. The story of Esther is a prophecy of the end-time bride being caught up to the authority of the throne under the authority and training of the man-child. And throughout this story, Mordecai represents the head and the man-child, little man, right? The Talmud, Talmud lists him as a prophet in Megillah 15. Mordecai means little man in Hebrew and little boy in Persian, both of which mean man-child. Mordecai was in the place of the throne before Esther was. Esther 2 and 5. There was a certain Jew in Shushan the palace whose name was Mordecai. Not only was his place in the palace, but he is mentioned nine times in various ways as sitting at the king's gate, or said to be one of the king's servants that were in the king's gate. The king, of course, represents Jesus, and the king's gate was the place of the government, the place of judges and counselors, it's likely that all of the subjugate nations under Ahasuerus or Xerxes had representatives to the king there, just as the seven princes of Persia and Media uh, in 1 and 14 were there. Mordecai was probably the head of God's people since the Jews were twice called the people of Mordecai, 3 and 6. This governmental head over God's people represents the man-child. It is he that nourishes the bride with the beauty and wisdom that comes from the Word until she comes to the throne, as Esther did in 2 and 7. And he brought up, Hebrew there is nourished, and he nourished Hadassah, that is Esther, And even when Esther came to the throne, she was under the headship of Mordecai, 2 and 20. Esther had not yet made known her kindred nor her people as Mordecai had charged her. For Esther did the commandment of Mordecai like as when she was brought up with him. So it was Mordecai who sent to charge her that she should go in unto the king 
to make supplication unto him and to make requests before him for her people, four and eight. And this intercession of the bride was to save the people who represent the larger church body from Haman, who represents the beast. For some, this battle represents the saving of the inner spiritual man from the beastly carnal man who will seek to kill him. For others, whose carnal man is already dead, this will represent their deliverance from the world beast. The time came when the king took from the beast his symbol of authority to persecute God's wayward people and gave it instead to Mordecai to save them. In 8 and 2, And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it unto Mordecai. And even though Esther had been given the house of Haman, she willingly gave Mordecai the authority over it. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. At this time the king said, Write ye also to the Jews, as it pleaseth you, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring. For the writing which is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's ring may no man reverse. Mordecai, the man-child, passed on the authority of the king to God's people to stand on the word and save their lives, just as Jesus did to his disciples. In verse 9, And it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded unto the Jews. And verse 11, wherein the king granted the Jews that were in every city to gather themselves together and to stand for their life, to destroy, to slay, and to cause to perish all the power of the people and province that would assault them. Well, God's people will learn that they are not under the curse of sin or death, and that the Word is their sword to defend them. The man-child and the church under him will walk in greater and greater authority of King Jesus to destroy the kingdom of the beast with the power of the Word. 9 and 4. For Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame went forth throughout all the provinces. For the man Mordecai waxed greater and greater. And the Jews smote all their enemies with the stroke of the sword, and with slaughter and destruction, and did what they would unto them that hated them. 10 and 2. And all the acts of his power and of his might and of the full account of the greatness of Mordecai, wherein to the king advanced him, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? For Mordecai the Jew was next unto King Ahasuerus, and great among the Jews, and accepted of the multitude of his brethren, seeking the good of his people, and speaking peace to all his seed. So now that we see the relationship of the man-child to the bride, 
uh, let's look at an outline of bride types that coordinates with the man-child types that we talked about. So remember that we will explain the spiritual nature of the throne experience a little bit later. Uh, Esther, along with all of the fair virgins of the kingdom, were gathered unto the house of the women to see whom Ahasuerus the king would choose as his bride. 2, 2 through 3. For taking advantage of everything the king's chamberlain, as a type of the Holy Spirit, provided, she was loved above all the virgins and made queen in her first throne experience, 13 through 17. And after this time, the king promoted Haman as a type of the dragon beast, 3 and 1, over the people of God as another type of the beginning of the tribulation. The beast then decided to crucify all of the people of God, 3 and 6, and with the permission of the king, set a date to begin this. In one parable, this date represents the middle of the tribulation. It's here that Esther appeared before the king in a second throne experience to intercede for her people, 5, 1 through 3. She received authority with Mordecai to speak for the king and gave authority to the people to stand for their lives and to slay the beast kingdom, 8, 8, and 11. This will happen from the middle of the tribulation until the day of the Lord when the bride has fully entered the kingdom in a third throne experience. Then the destruction of the beast will continue as it destroys itself in a civil war. The Shulamite bride was born of the woman Israel. Song of Solomon 3, 4, and 8, 5. And tried in her own wilderness experience of being rejected by her own people and was caught up in a first throne experience. 6 and 12. From there she returned, 13, to care for God's vineyard, the virgins, concubines, and queens. That's 7, 10 through 13. Who represent the rest of the church or the woman. As you can see so clearly everywhere, the church is not the bride. The bride is taken out of the church. So these are also typed as her little sister who came to maturity throughout her ministry, 8, 8 through 12. Within the bride is the new leadership for God's people, which will be used by God to bring them to maturity, and that's Matthew 21 and 41. She then was caught up to the third throne experience when she married Solomon. We also see the bride in Psalm 45 who fulfills this same type. And as we have seen, the church goes through seven years of tribulation called the wilderness. Revelation 12 and 6 and 17 and 3. 
Joseph, as the man-child type, fed Israel through seven years of famine, foreshadowing the tribulation. Moses, as the man-child, fed Israel halfway through the wilderness by distance, representing the first three and a half years. And here he faced God on his mountain in a second throne experience and was glorified when his face shone with the glory. And that's in Exodus 34, 29-35. He then took them the rest of the way to the promised land, representing the second three and a half years. Only then, then did the manna from heaven cease, for then in type they entered fully into the kingdom of heaven and no longer needed it. That's Joshua 5 and 12. Jesus, as the man-child, took born-again Israel three and a half years into their wilderness before also being glorified. This also represents halfway through the tribulation, which is, by the way, the place of the mark of the beast, right? In order to fulfill the same type as Joseph and Moses, who went all the way through the tribulation, Jesus would have had to continue his ministry after his glorification, which he did. He was caught up to the throne of God in a type of the second throne experience, and he stayed there only a few hours before returning, John twenty seventeen and 19 through 20 and 26. He then passed on his spirit and authority to the disciples in 21 through 23 for a space of 40 days, Acts 1 and 3 which is the number of tribulation. So this 40 days ministry represents the 40 years between Jesus' glorification and the destruction of the harlot of apostate Israel in 70 A.D. when the disciples escaped to the mountains representing heaven. In perfect parallel... After Moses' face shone, he also took Israel 40 years through the wilderness to the promised land with Jesus' 40-day type. Uh, That was uh, for every day a year, as God said, Numbers 14 and 34. After the number of the days in which you spied out the land, even 40 days for every day a year, shall you bear your iniquities even 40 years. So that 40 years represented the last three and a half years of the tribulation. Now we see that in type, Jesus also took them all the way through their tribulation to the promised land. He also appeared to the disciples to guide them in the book of Acts which represented the second three and a half years to show this type. Acts 16 and 7. And when they were come over against Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, uh, and the Spirit of Jesus suffered them not. 
So as further proof of this, after this his glorification, he told them, I am with you always, Greek, all the days, even unto the end of the world, which the Greek is the consummation of the age. So there's proof of that. In Matthew 28 and 20, he said he would be with them all the days until the consummation of their age, which was 70 A.D., when the harlot of apostate Israel was destroyed as the saints fled to the mountains at the end of their tribulation. In parallel, we can see the end of the seven-year tribulation is all the days unto the consummation of the age of the church, when the modern-day harlot will also be destroyed as the saints flee to the kingdom. So from these types, we can see that the man-child will be with the woman church in various stages of sonship through the seven years of tribulation. In the last three and a half years, the man-child will be in the form that Jesus was during his 40-day ministry after the first three and a half years of his ministry. In this form, Jesus walked through walls. John 20 and 26 says, Jesus cometh, the doors being shut, (laughs) and stood in the midst. However, Mary thought he was the gardener in 20 and 15. Hmm. So the two disciples on the road to Emmaus walked with him, carried on a lengthy conversation, ate with him, and yet thought him merely human. Luke 24, 13 through 35. He was the manifested Son of God in spirit and soul, but not yet body. In type, at this end of the first three and a half years, he still had flesh and bones. Luke 24 and 39. See, my hands and my feet, that is, I myself, handle me. And I and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you behold me having. So this is the same state symbolized by Moses' glowing face as he carried Israel through the last half of their wilderness by distance, symbolizing the last three and a half years of our tribulation. And that glowing face represented a glorified spirit and soul under a veil, which the Lord said was the flesh in Hebrews 10 and 20. So underneath that flesh, there was a glorified man, right? Waiting for his glorified body. The body glorification comes at the end of the seven years when we shall all be changed to enter the promised land together. 1 Corinthians 15 and 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We all shall not sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. What's, what is left to change there? It's the body. 
Brief, briefly, there are three throne experiences in order to manifest Jesus or complete sonship in the man-child first fruits, who will then lead the bride in these experiences. The first one is after the man-child's personal wilderness experience at the beginning of the tribulation and involves the full manifestation of Jesus in the Spirit. The second one is after bringing the people halfway through the tribulation and involves the full manifestation of Jesus in the soul. The third one is after the tribulation and involves the full manifestation of Jesus in the body, meaning the sons will have a born-again heavenly body. The bride had a seven-year wedding feast before going to the groom's home. The bride has the position of sitting with the bridegroom, or man-child, in betrothal for the seven days of the two throne experiences. But the marriage is not fulfilled until after the seven days when she sits with her husband in the third throne experience of that glorified body. So after the seven years of tribulation, we are told in Revelation 19 and 7, the marriage of the feast is the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Yeah. So this is the time when the whole bridal procession goes to the bridegroom's home, joined by the resurrected saints of old. It's here that some of those saints may have entered bridal glory to join in that company while others may be virgins or friends of the bridegroom. In that case, the saying of John the Baptist would not be just a type. John 3 and 29. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom that standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy, therefore, is made full. On the other hand, um, these are the days when the greatest revelation of the testimony of the Word will manifest the Lord in the greatest body of believers the world has ever seen. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 10 When He shall come to be glorified in His saints and to be marveled at in all them that believed, because our testimony unto you was believed in that day. So, leading up to the end, we see that the testimonies that were given earlier are fully coming to manifestation and fully believed. And that's because it takes understanding and meditation in the Word, to realize what is being said. And um, uh, these revelations were said to be uh, opened up in the latter days, and they are being opened up. The understanding is magnificent. The whole Bible shows parables in parallel with parables all the way up until the end. 
And the book of Revelation, of course, is several parables um, that uh, repeat uh, all the way up until the end of it. So, there is so much to learn, and only the Holy Spirit can show you some of these things, but you can ask. And, of course, everybody's not called to be a teacher, uh, but everybody's called to be a manifestation of the Word of God. And these uh, teachings of these types of the bride and the man-child teach us what it takes to be uh, in the bride or the man-child. Right, so it's very important that people do this. Uh, people that aspire to be in one of these ministries, and uh, God, of course, is our helper in all things. And um, all, if we ask Him, He will help us. He will guide us. He will bring us into His fullness. And we see the end from the beginning. As we look in Second Corinthians 3 and 18, we all with an unveiled face, we can ask God to unveil our face so we can see. We all with an unveiled face, behold as in the, a mirror, the glory of the Lord are transformed into this same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit. What is glory to glory? Well, it's from star glory to moon glory to sun glory. There's your three stages right there. So, and uh, in that day, their testimony was believed in our day. They had a simpler understanding in those days of the Word of God. And people have a deeper understanding in these days, although not many. Uh, but for those who seek after uh, the man-child or bride positions, it's good to look at them. And notice the parallels because these are confirmations uh, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. These are confirmations. They are needed. They are necessary. Amen? So, Father... We ask that you grant us grace to walk in your ways to those three throne experiences, to the final, um, when the bride has made herself ready. So, And we know that the head of the bride is the man-child, as David was the head over Jerusalem, which was the bride. So, uh, we're talking about the man-child and bride being ready for that day. And we study the Scriptures to see what holiness is so that we can be a partaker of this. Many people are wasting their time with fruitless things in the world which have no eternal value whatsoever. But we're told by Jesus to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto us. So clearly, we need to study and see these little principles that are pointed out several times, many times in some cases, in the Word, uh, so that we uh, know what um, what we need 
to enter into Ahasuerus' kingdom, right? Amen. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you so much, Lord, for your wisdom uh, poured out upon us. And bless us mightily by your Spirit. And deliver us from evil in these days, as I can see that you're about to do. Thank you so much, Father, for your wisdom, your anointing. Thank you so much for following uh, in the steps of the man-child Jesus, so that we may manifest him in the earth. Thank you for overcoming so that we can be caught up to the throne and sit down with him in his throne as he sat down with, with his Father in his throne. Lord, help us to be overcomers. Overcomers are those who hold fast to the Word and don't depart from it in all the fiery trials that we go through. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We believe it and we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you for joining us today. We'll do this again sometime. God bless you and keep you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water make me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Though the mountains fall into the sea Though the rivers rise I still believe For oh, your mercy stands and your word is Jesus, I trust in you. And when I face that darkest night, what will be my guiding light? The shining rays of red and white. Jesus, I trust in you. In you I find mercy seated for all time. I am yours and you are mine, Lord Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, my Lord Jesus.